Welcome back to the show, guys. Welcome back to the Part-Time Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Gross, episode 46. We got a really good one coming for you. But listen, first things first, I want you guys to make 100% sure you go get entered on the giveaway, the massive spring turkey giveaway we're doing over on the IG page, Mojo Buck 80. I'm going to say it again, Mojo Buck 80. All one word, all lowercase. Go to the Instagram page, get followed. It's the pin post in the bottom left corner. We have got a massive, massive 2024 spring giveaway. We got Saw Creek ammunition, custom TSS load, dark water customs, turkey tote, color choice. Uh, of your choice, Delta Feather, a matching Greenleaf hat to match your all-new North Mountain gear, pullover, and a call package from Foot on the Head Game Calls. You guys don't want to miss it. It's everything you need to go kill a big-ass long beard, minus, I guess, the turkey gun and a choke tube that'll handle TSS. But everything else you're going to get in this one package. Go find the post, like it, follow the rules to uh, to get entered. It's absolutely free. And heck, if you don't win, unfollow me after. Or if you like the content, keep following along. Speaking of content, go check out the YouTube channel. We just dropped the massive pawn shop turkey gun pattern test video. You guys don't want to miss it. My shoulder is still somewhere in the woods back there where we shot the patterns. Uh, some three and a half inch candlesticks. Uh, quite possibly the world's largest two and three quarter ounces loading in a 12 gauge uh, yeah, my shoulder fell off, you know, probably three shots into the project, but man, the patterns are freaking stupid and, uh, we should have no problem as long as I can do my part and put the old pawn shop gun right in front of a long beard this spring. So guys, 46, we are joined by the Georgia public project. Uh, if you guys haven't already heard of them, go check them out on YouTube. Really, really good guys, uh, local here to me in Georgia. And we're going to have a great conversation, maybe some, uh, some deer hunting, but mostly turkey hunting focused. And uh, let's get to it. Number 46. Let's freaking get into it, guys. The Part-Time Hunter Podcast. No commercials, no sponsors, just a pure hunting podcast. Let's freaking go. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Part-Time Hunter Podcast. I'm your host again, Daniel Gross. Number 46. We are getting on up there, boys, in the, in the uh, double digits, steadily approaching the opening day of Georgia turkey season. And we got on the other end of the mic some Georgia boys, Jonah and Andrew, from the Georgia Public Project. Guys, how you doing this afternoon? Doing good, man. Thanks for Absolutely having me. Absolutely wonderful. Perfect, guys. Well, I mean, in, in case, you know, guys haven't seen you, I mean, obviously you guys got a YouTube channel, social medias. Uh, if, if one of you guys want to kick it off, tell them who you are, kind of where you're from. I mean, obviously probably in Georgia, but tell them where you're from and then your social so they can go check you out. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're with the Georgia Public Project. It's kind of just a little thing that we – started over the last few years and uh, it's kind of grown into a passion for me and Andrew. It actually started off funny enough. Uh, the Georgia public project thing started off with just me uh, about five years ago, I think. And I did a giveaway and you know, the first time I ever did a giveaway, I gave away some, I think it was, was it scree gear, Andrew? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I gave away some scree gear and Andrew was one of the like five people that entered the giveaway and he actually won it. And then that, that same year, we went on a uh, – we drew a quota hunt together um, in Georgia, and we hunted, and we became good friends. And ever since then, we've been pretty much inseparable as far as hunting stuff and all that kind of stuff goes. So we just – we hit it off well together, and we, we work well together as far as, like, we are, we're like-minded, and, you know, we're always kind of chasing the same goals. So that's kind of how we got started. And uh, this has been our first, I would say, year where we're really trying to, like, grow the YouTube channel some – 
and grow the socials and that kind of stuff. So we're excited to be here. Thanks for having us, Daniel. Yeah, dude, absolutely, man. Uh, and and your and your YouTube channel, if people search, is you know if they search up the Georgia Public Project, it'll pull right up. Is that kind of how it's working? Yeah, actually, just Georgia Public Project. Georgia Public Project, and the same thing on the IG also. Yep, yep. IG and Instagram, Georgia Public Project. Our logo is pretty recognizable. It kind of looks like a national forest sign, um, so you'll kind of notice it. it. It'll kind of match on all the socials and stuff. So um, that's us, man. We're trying to try and get it going. We had a really good year in the deer woods this year together. And uh, we're trying to kind of bring that over to turkey season two. We're really excited to bring some good turkey hunting content this year. Uh, we actually just did a real a video that's super similar to the one you just did, Daniel, where we went and bought. Um, me and Andrew used what little bit of money that was made on YouTube so far to go to a pawn shop, <laughs> buy two shotguns as cheap as we could, bought some uh, like cheap Walmart turkey loads, bought four different types of turkey loads, and then we patterned them. And uh, it was it was a pretty funny video. Like I'm pretty excited to put it together. We we me and Andrew like I don't know. I've never really been a huge shotgun guy, you know, as far as like knowing all the different chokes and all that kind of stuff. It's just never been something I really like paid that much attention to, and except for like obviously like a turkey choke and that kind of stuff. But like knowing the difference on a choke that's like between improved cylinder, modified, full choke, all that kind of stuff, and all the chokes in these guns were unlabeled. So we didn't know. Oh, Lord. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't know which one was in the gun. And so we actually were shooting with, I think it was a modified choke, or was it modified or? Uh, uh, whatever whatever your widest choke is, it throws the widest pattern. Yeah, we were shooting with oh, that. And we were like, why are these guns? It was 12 gauge, and we were shooting at like 25 yards. And we were like, why are these guns patterning so bad? Like, we thought we had made a bad mistake. <laughs> come to find out, they both just had terrible chokes in it. So I actually had a choke here at the house in my box that, fit the gun that Andrew had bought. And then the choke, the gun that I bought is some like Turkish brand. Like it, like you can't even buy accessories or anything for the guns. Like online there, everything's priced in euros. So I guess you have to order it from like, overseas. Oh my word. <laughs> yeah. So now I got to figure out how to get a Turkey choke for that gun. So I haven't even tried to figure that out yet, but I, I had it, I had it patterning pretty decent with like a modified choke. So we'll see what it does. <laughs> Oh uh, gosh! So so is is so is the kind of gun like is this a secret setup until we see the video or can we kind of go into like what you bought? Oh, we can go into it. Now. Okay, it's okay. I, I, I didn't want to like <laughs> spoiler alert. You you guys definitely on the podcast go go check out the video. I mean, definitely it sounds like this sounds like a really cool idea. Mine was yeah. kind of simple. I I got at least I had a, a dozen pieces of crap to choose from in the rack, you know. But uh, yeah, so yeah. so 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 what was the brand like? What what what's the gun setup we're looking at? So the one that <laughs> I had bought. Pronounce uh, it. Good job. Yeah, it's a, a Celcon, I think it's how you say it. A Celcon. It's oh actually like gosh. a home defense shotgun. <laughs> it's a semi-automatic 12-gauge with like a 16-inch barrel. Um, okay. It's got a pistol grip. So it's actually a pretty nice gun. It's like pretty lightweight. Um, it has the, all the internals. It has an inertia-driven system. All okay. the internals, just like my Affinity, my, my Franke Affinity. The internals are identical, so I'm pretty sure it's like an off-brand to like Franke or something like oh, that. Oh, it's, it's got to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the bolt and everything is exactly the same. Even the bolt release, all that stuff, it looks exactly the same. So it's a pretty nice shotgun. I ended up getting that one because it was like the second cheapest one we could find in the pawn shop that we went into. And uh, Andrew picked up one that was just a pump. What what brand was it, Andrew? 
Oh Lord, um, it's an Academy Special. I think it's an ETA, like yeah, ETA, yeah. or something. Oh, and they, okay. They're both more or less just home defense shotguns. They're not, yeah. <laughs> they're not technically turkey guns. Oh yeah. man! But we went with the cheapest thing we could find. So yeah, so we 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 uh, bartered with the pawn shop a little bit. We got like fifty dollars off each one, um, and got them to give us a deal on them because we bought them together. And then we basically just made it work. Like we sat there and did the math, and we're like, all right, we've got this much money. So we want to try to spend that only that amount of money and then be able to buy two shotguns and two boxes of turkey loads at that pawn shop. So we like got it, we like negotiated with them. Hey, this is the deal we want. They were like, all right, sounds good. We kind of told them what we were doing. They, you know, they were willing to work with us a little bit. And uh, so we got the shotguns and got them back. And then those things kicked. My shoulder is still sore. Those things kicked so bad. They don't even shoot three and a half inch rounds. They only shoot three inch. But even with a three inch round, oh, I mean, our shoulders are killing us, dude. Yeah, because they're, they're like super lightweight, you know, synthetic stock guns. Um, so man, it was, it was, it's been, a, it was a fun video to make for sure. We had a good time doing it. Dude. And, and that was my biggest thing is like when I went into, uh, the pawn shop I went into in, in Rossville, Georgia, they, they get a lot of police trade in stuff. It's like, so squad car yeah. shotguns that have never seen any kind of TLC, like no oil, you know, every kind of humidity, <laughs> just absolutely trashed. And, uh, the one I got was an old A35 and at least it was drilled and tapped and had a few, you know, minor luxuries on it that i could i could do but yeah i mean it's uh the police trading market is is tough because usually as a turkey hunter and a lot of guys out there listening you know the bare bones minimum you need is at least a good visible front bead and some kind of a choke system because if it doesn't take chokes and it's a it's a fixed you know cylinder or fixed modified because most of those police guys are shooting you know double up buck or slugs or oh, something yeah, yeah. or bean bags or something so you I mean at least if it takes chokes and uh, even if it's not drilled and tapped, you know, even if it's just a slick barrel, you know, you can you can kind of rig it up to, you know, if you eventually want to put optics on it. Because a lot of the times when you go to the pattern board, it's just like, dang man, you know, this choke and shell combo, it, it throws low lift, and that's it. Yep. You know, there's nothing you yeah, can do. For, that's what you got. <laughs> yeah, that's what you got until you you know can experiment. But man, I'm telling you, if you guys take that extra fifty bucks that you uh, jewed those poor guys out of on those shotguns. <laughs> Invest that in some into some TSS and it will blow your mind. Oh yeah, it's crazy. That's like so. The reason that we picked those two shotguns is they both had really good sights on them. Like they had the, you know, they had like the front uh, circle, like the front sight, and then they had a big uh, uh, bead on them. So they had great sights for like turkey hunting. And then they oh, were both sick. also had uh, rails on them where you could mount an optic on them too. So oh man, that's kind of why we picked those because otherwise we were like trying to choose between some like really cheap stogers you know just like the black guns um and they were like brand new for i don't know maybe 190 dollars or something like that oh that's a that's uh, a great deal oh yeah there was some crazy good like we even went to walmart you could buy a brand new it was like a mossberg um or maybe it was a stoger i don't know it's one of the really really cheap like just made guns you okay. buy a brand new gun for like 184 dollars at walmart wow that, that see that's even cheaper than the one I bought. I mean, mine was like two fifty yep. with tax. I was yep. like, yeah, yeah, wow, that's wild. So, so the Georgia, so the, the Georgia Public Project. Whenever you guys started it, like, what was what was the whole? I mean, you guys kind of mentioned how you guys, you know, he, you, you met Andrew through a giveaway, and you guys kind of teamed up. Like, like, what's the whole? Is the purpose behind it like to educate people like throughout the seasons? Is it just Georgia based, or what? What's kind of the mission statement of of that project? So I would say for me, it kind of just started off as like a passion for hunting public land. 
um, you know, I grew up with like in hunting clubs and that kind of stuff, hunting stuff like that. And, you know, me and my dad, we would go hunt some WMAs and stuff like that occasionally. But it really came down to me as like, I really just enjoy the challenge of public land, you know, just like getting out there and trying to figure it out and dealing with the people and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of adds another layer of challenge to like the hunting world. And so that's kind of how it started out for me. It was just really just a passion for hunting public land. And then just also a passion for wanting to like also have a place to look back on my memories and, and the hunts that I've had and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's how it kind of started out for me. And then for me and Andrew together, I mean, I'll let Andrew speak on this a little bit, but I think it really just came to like something that me and him were both passionate about, but we also have different hunting styles. So we can kind of bring two different styles to one channel, you know? And uh, that's kind of what we, how we kind of thought of it as, you know, when we're going to try to grow is like Andrew does, as far as deer hunting goes, Andrew does a lot of suburban hunting and stuff like that. And then I do a lot of public land hunting uh, around the mountains and that kind of stuff. So we kind of teamed up together and just kind of made that into one channel and uh, we've had fun with it so far, man. It's been really fun. Heck yeah, Andrew. So, uh, so when you're doing most of the, uh, like you said, you're a big whitetail guy, are you, are you guys filming separate or you try to team up most of the time or how does, how does that work as far as getting content? Andrew, I'll let you speak on that. Uh, it's a little bit of both. We both kind of do our own separate thing, but what was it, Jonah, two years ago when we filmed that big deer you shot behind, um, behind your parents' yeah. place? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we sat together and filmed that together. I filmed Jonah in the tree, killing a really nice 140 inch eight point. Um, wow! It was like, hey, we kind of have a knack for this. It's a lot of fun hunting, which we do a lot of hunting together that we don't film or started out that way. Um, but the same as Jonah, I've always tried to film stuff as just kind of having a video diary to look back on um, to show family and friends and all that. Um, and once we started hunting together, then we started we filmed that one together, that really big deer. And when we filmed it, it was like, hey, this there's something to this. It's a lot of fun. So throughout the season, we do a lot of hunts together that we do sit together and film. Um, but a lot of it is filmed separately. Both my big deer I killed this year, I just self-filmed. Um, and you filmed all three years by yourself, didn't you, Jonah? Yeah, yeah. I did yep. all three of mine by myself this year. So we really just use it as like, you know, with any YouTube channel, and I'm sure you know this, Daniel, like it's the key is having enough content to consistently post something. And so – you know, I noticed that like, hey, I've got to have somebody else helping me do this and also somebody that's consistently seeing deer, shooting deer, all that kind of stuff to be able to have a shot at growing a YouTube channel whatsoever. And I'm not saying like, listen, we're, we're not we're far from like growing. Right. We're at 1900 subscribers. Like we're we're just now maybe trying to start like getting to I would like to see the channel get to like 5000 subscribers over the next year. Uh, and I'm hoping that maybe we can get it there with a good turkey season and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know. I think at the end of the day, like for us, it's more of just like, we don't really, we're not in it for the, the like popularity or anything like that. We just really enjoy hunting of all types and it's really fun to document it. And also it just gives you something to go back and watch when you're sitting around a campfire with friends and family and that kind of stuff. So. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, I'm kind of the same in the same ship that you guys started out in and, and I'm not any, you know, much bigger, you know, you got to start somewhere and getting the, the following and getting, you know, it's, it's all these strategies that kind of come together to, to get it out there and get it in front of people that are like-minded like us. But yeah, I started out selfishly, you know, I just wanted to rewatch, you know, hunts with my friends or relive stuff with my dad or my granddad and how to and gear videos. And then it just kind of took off and, 
and you actually had people that liked the video. I'm like, wow, somebody likes me talking in front of the camera like an idiot. And then we yeah. got the podcast, <laughs> and the podcast is taking off, and we get to talk with with good folks like like yourself. And it's just, man, the more you, you get out and network with people, you really do find out that we are all on the same page. You know, I mean, minus you know, there's bad apples in every you know big. Uh, niche like the outdoor but uh, community but yeah i mean for the most part we're all like-minded have the same goals and and are really love what we do and are passionate about the animals that we chase and stuff but it's just really cool to see you know a channel that pops up as far as you know focusing just on public land and and especially you know here in georgia it's really really cool to see to see the focus on that um yeah something that i, I was going to touch on is you know public land in georgia it seems like and i don't know if it's like just my area because you want to kind of pick your brain on this, uh, both of you guys being uh, Georgia boys like me. But it's like when I go out of state, whether I go out of state for waterfowl or turkeys, uh, I haven't really traveled out of state for whitetail except for Illinois a couple times with my dad. But it seems like, I don't know, maybe in the North Georgia mountains where I'm at, it's almost like the public land, not that it gets overrun, but I, I think it could be managed a little bit better as far as you know the the types of and i guess the terrains you know kind of challenging too like we don't we don't have a lot of natural agriculture around you know i live in the carpet cap of the world you know so it's not yeah. it's not like yeah. we have rolling massive soybean fields and stuff like that uh you know the south georgia guys kind of have all the ag you know in this state but yeah i mean I, I wish we had a little bit better program maybe you know, a younger group of guys that stands up and says, hey, you know, we're going to take this on, do more, whatever it is, you know, controlled burns or we're going to we're going to close down WMAs for a year. As much as that would suck, you know, uh, yeah. but just something to revamp lot, it. There's a lot of our public lands that need better management as far as like, you know, I see guys, I actually saw a guy, I think it was today or yesterday, post on a page talking about how people like the hunting public and stuff like that have ruined public land and I just think that's a wrong mindset about it because we need we need people out there. We need people using it because if not, they're just going to take it away and make more neighborhoods. But, you know, if if we don't use it, then, yeah, obviously we're going to lose it. But at the same time, we have to use it the right way. And, you know, some of our public lands, especially in North Georgia, like I feel like we have some of the best turkey hunting in the in the southeast. But it's just the way that it gets managed sometimes makes it where it doesn't seem that great, you know. Um, yes. So I definitely feel like we need some better management, but you know, we're just this low man on the totem pole. So, <laughs> dude, yeah, for sure. And I, I had a rabbit hole with a dude I went down the other night. It's, it's kind of like, you know, where I'm at, the, like the closest public land piece, and I'm not giving any secrets away from where I live. Johns Mountain WMA uh, is just very mountainous. Uh, people have had success on it, but it seems like during the peak of COVID, it's almost like for the wild turkey in, you know, it, according to that piece of public land and kind of where we are geographically. And I guess all over the state, just depending on how the state was running during that COVID time, but it seemed like it hit right in the peak season of spring turkey. And it was just like, dang, dude, like those birds wow. really suffered because you had dudes that, you know, normally like, you know, just like this show is called The Part-Time Hunter, we all have you know, responsibilities, kids, sports, spring baseball, your wife, you got to walk the dog, all this other stuff you got to do. But when COVID came, it was just like, boom, open season. Guys had two, three, four, maybe yes. a, a whole month off. And where were they yeah. at? They were in the turkey woods, especially public. It was an absolute free for all. Yeah, I remember that year. That year's the – I don't really want to name drop the WMA that we oh, sure, focus no. on a lot. No, you're good. No, it's it's uh we definitely saw some really bad pressure that year where it was just like spots that I've never seen people in. There was like four and five people in those spots, you know? And it just I don't know it doesn't bother me because 
but you know at this point i've hunted public land enough where i just deal with it because i expect it you know like i expect to deal with other people and i expect to deal with hunters that have no hunter etiquette and that kind of stuff it's just it's just part of it um but at the same time it was super frustrating because i can't tell you how many times that season which i think that was the 2020 season yep which is like right when covid hit you know covid hit like right around march and then turkey season opened and it was just like everybody was off work nobody was working and you know the turkey woods were full of owl hooters and oh dude uh, primos primos box (laughs) calls that were three foot long yes it was just terrible oh man it was bad uh, i was speaking of that just a side note here i saw in a turkey group i won't name the group and i won't name the guy i'm not that mean but he he said uh what's your favorite gobbler like gobbling call like what's what's your go-to and like my i was the first one to see it just because i was scrolling through and i was like oh dear jesus so i put please please do not use that on public land i said you know my two cents if you know i'm not saying it hasn't been successful other places but it is a definite hazard to your health so hopefully hopefully the guy i saw this guy i saw this guy post i think it was a few days ago on one of our uh, turkey hunting pages here in Georgia. He said, "Hey guys, been out in the woods calling up some turkeys every day. Super excited to, for the turkey season to roll around." Oh I'm like, my god! <laughs> this guy's out there just calling up birds every single day, just educating the crap out of these things before oh, we ever get there. Dude, he, he, he's giving those longbeards PhDs and diplomas. Oh, <laughs> They're going to be Einstein turkeys. Yeah, dude, I, I'm so I'm so superstitious about stuff like that. The the piece of privet that I hunt. Uh, I won't even I won't even do a call in the shop. I mean, I won't even do, I won't even call here. I, I call, you know, on my way to and from work in the truck where I feel like it's you know isolated. And then nobody I, can I, hear it. Yeah, no one can hear it. And then I don't I don't shoot any kind of extra guns around my house if I don't have to. Uh, yeah. I, I don't pattern my shotgun here. I go you know ten miles away to a place I go and yeah, I'm just so superstitious. Like any other time of the year, it's fine. You know, we have neighbors that play. Uh, whatever the Spanish music they're playing. It sounds like Los Reyes next door. Sometimes they're having cookouts <laughs> and stuff. And, and uh, I'm just like, damn dude, can you just for two months, please just let it chill. But it's fine. Yeah. You know, turkeys get used it's to that. But yeah, superstitious stuff, man, guys, if you're on the podcast and you're out there listening to this episode, do not even waste your time with a gobbler call, dude. Like just please don't do no, it. Please. Uh, I've please. never heard of anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you're not the one guy out there that's killed a bird because you, you did a Jake gobble or something and brought him in. <laughs> But just, you know, on private and public land, it's just not very you – because know, what if you're hunting a, a subordinate bird that he hears another gobbler and he's like, no, I'm out. You know, so you're kind of killing yourself. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. It sounds Plus, good. it's probably a good way to get shot if you'd like to get shot. Oh, my <laughs> word. Dude, there was a guy that commented on that on that thread that said, yeah, I've seen a guy with a gobbler call down in a, the bottom of a, of a creek bottom, and two hunters got up from opposing ridges and were sprinting. Like, <laughs> not even, like, there's no woodsmanship, silence, ninja, none, none of that. Like, stealth mode, disengaged. They're just running down there. That reminds me. So, let me, tell you this, let me tell you this story about me and Andrew. So, we go down. Um, Andrew, you want me to, like, name drop this or no? Uh, you ain't got to. I don't think it's going to hurt anything, but uh, I'll leave that uh, up to you. I won't, I won't name drop it, but we, we go down to a specific WMA every year that's down more in the Piedmont region, I guess. Okay. And uh, we go down there every year. Usually we don't draw a quota hunt, but last year we did draw a quota down there. And we went down there and we were hunting. And 
normally when we go when there's not a quota hunt, we don't hardly see anybody down there. But this year, since we drew the quota, it was like pretty packed with people. So we had found this one gate that we had scouted the day before. There was a ton of turkey tracks in the road, just a lot of good sign in there. So we were like, all right, we're going to come back here first thing in the morning. So we get there pretty early, and I was going to let Andrew, we had drove separate to like the gate or the road that led up to the gate. And I was going to let Andrew hop in with me and he was going to park up at the front of the road or whatever, just to like his truck couldn't make it up the hill or something. I can't remember. It was like a really steep gravel hill anyways. So I was going to let him park there and hop in with me Well, I'm like parked, letting him hop out and park his truck real quick. He's like grabbing his stuff out of the truck. And this guy comes in and like tries to cut us off like in the, in the road. (laughs) And I'm like looking at him like, dude, what are you doing? Like, he's like trying to like, fit between my truck and the gate and there's like no way his truck is fitting through there wow and so andrew andrew gets in the truck and like we go and he's like riding our butt all the way back to the gate it's probably two miles from where andrew parked his truck he's riding our butt all the way back there he gets out where we get there we pull up the gate he follows us all the way to the very back gate and mind you there's probably five or six other gates between where we where he parked his truck and where we were going so he follows us all the way back there we get back there he gets out and the first guy, the guy that had followed us back there, he's like, hey, are you guys going back here? And we're like, no, nah, we're just like parked here for fun, man. Like, yes, we're going back here. And <laughs> We're hikers. Like, we're nature walkers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was super, that guy was super nice about it. He's like, all right, man, I'll go somewhere else. No worries. So we're like, all right, thanks, man. Thanks for having some like etiquette, you know. And uh, then we're walking in the woods and we're, we, we walk like 100 yards in on the gated road. And we're just standing there kind of waiting for daylight to break, see if we hear any roosted anywhere nearby because there's a ton of sign right by the gate and uh so then we see more headlights pull up behind our truck so i'm like oh man here we go somebody else so this guy gets out and it, i mean mind you it's like dark still but you can barely see like it's just that really really like really like, like gray almost light. gray light ish yeah like before it's really gray light <clears throat> so we're standing there in the dark and we hear somebody running down the gravel road. Like, what? Somebody running. And I'm like, what is going on? And we turn around, this old guy's like jogging up to us. And he's like, he's like out of breath. Hey, you guys hunting in here? And we're like, no, nah, man, we're just like standing here, just kind of hanging out. Like, we're going shopping. What's good? What's up? And he's like, we're like, yes, they were hunting here. What do you think? And he's like, all right, all right, we'll, we'll go somewhere else. No worries. And I'm like, okay, well, you, why'd you just jog in here to tell us that? You couldn't have just saw the truck at the gate and turned around, you know? <laughs> so we're like, all right, whatever. He, walk, he, he walks off, and we're like, all right, we're good. So we walk in another – by this time, it's like breaking daylight a little bit, maybe 10, 15 minutes from Goblin Light. And uh, we get to the top of this first ridge, the first hill, like, on the road, and we're listening. We hear two birds gobbling, like, on the backside of the property, that we're, the backside of that piece. And uh, – so we're trying to put a play on like which one we're going to go after and you know, whatever. And we're look, we look behind us and here comes buddy and his, the guy that jogged in and his buddy. And he told us that his buddy was uh, disabled and he couldn't walk. Well, they're both walking. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, he like, made it sound like the other guy was in a wheelchair or something and they're both walking. And so we look at him. And I like throw my hands up and I'm like, what's up? Like, they're like a hundred yards behind us. And they try to act like they don't see us. Like you can tell they're trying to act like they're like, oh, I don't see those pink guys, you know? Jeez. So I'm like waving my hands at them. And by this time, there's like four birds gobbling like crazy. And we're like, and they're all in the direction that we're headed. Like there's, they're, they're all four on different ridge points, but all the ridges were out the way we were walking. And so 
I told Andrew, I'm like, look, let's go this way, and they're going to go whatever way. Like, maybe they'll just be at least courteous and go after the birds that are in the opposite direction. And so we start working up on one bird that was gobbling really hard and trying to work our way into it, trying to get to, like, maybe 150, 200 yards of where he's at. And I look behind us again, and they're still following us. I mean, just right behind us. Like, they're they're consistently staying, like, 100 yards behind us. Good Lord, man. And I'm just, like, so frustrated. At this point, Andrew is, like, fired up. And actually, I forgot a part of the story. Um, there was a hog. So right after the guy had, like, ran in or ran in and, like, jogged in and talked to us, as we're walking in, a hog, like, two or three hogs crossed the road right in front of us. Dude. And I'm talking about, like, 20 yards and I tell Andrew, I'm like, dude, don't shoot. It's like right at gray light. Like the birds are getting ready to start gobbling. He's like, dude, I'm shooting. I'm like, don't shoot the hog. And so we're like arguing back and forth about that. And I'm turned around looking the other way, like listening for birds. And all of a sudden a shotgun just right in my ear. And I'm like, dude. And I'm like, I get so mad at Andrew. And he, I'm like, dude, you just shot a hog. And he, he shot it and it ran off into a thicket. We looked for it for a few minutes, but never could find it. Anyways, so all that happens in the midst of and then these guys come in behind us so then we're just fired up you know it's just like this morning is ruined like we've we've already rung a shot off in the woods before the birds even had a good chance to start gobbling and then these guys are walking in behind us uh, but anyways they finally we, we finally lost them like i don't know which way they went but we worked a bird that morning for like an hour and a half and we had him at probably 70 yards forever dang and finally finally he busted and uh we didn't get to get to kill him but uh, that was just a funny, funny experience that we had on public land last year. But well, we got back to the truck, and the, the old guys come out right behind us as we got back to the truck, and then they proceeded to accuse us of trying to shoot birds off the roost because I shot a hog right as it was breaking down. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was just a whole fiasco in and of itself. Oh my gosh, dude! If I if I was you know, well, first of all, if I see you know a a, a truck at a gate and it's you know almost time for stuff to be waking up. Just go find another gate. I mean, that's just who wants exactly. to, for your own time's sake. I mean, yeah, it's a courtesy, but at the same time, and plus, if you know the piece, you're, and now I'm talking about if, you know, if, if it's a 3,000 acre piece, you're probably fine to, you know, kind of, if you do want to proceed to go somewhere else, or if you see somebody yeah. at the gate, communicate, say, hey guys, this is a big piece, you know, where are you guys headed? Because I'll go the opposite, or if it's not big enough, exactly. I'll back out. So yeah, I, I applaud the guy for at least trying to to uh, to run up to you. But yeah, yeah. if I'd have heard somebody you know bust a hole at you know six fifteen, <laughs> I'd probably just kept on going because I was like, I don't really yeah, want to go exactly. down there. But uh, yeah, but turkeys make people do crazy things. I saw uh, you guys post. I don't know if it was on your personal page, Jonah, but did you guys go to have a good time at NWTF this year? That was Andrew. Yeah, Andrew and his son went up there. I wasn't able to make it, but uh, Andrew and his son went up there. They had a great time. Y'all, Andrew, tell them about that. Oh, yeah. No, we, we spent two days up there. We spent Friday and Saturday up there. And I've been my boys gone the last two years, and I've gone the last four or five years in a row. Um, but it's become a yearly occurrence for me and my boy to go. Um, and we went up there, and my boy was handing out stickers, our GVP, our personal stickers for our page and all that. He was handing them out to all the big wigs. And, I mean, he's probably come back with 30, 40 different signatures and I think he spent a thousand dollars of my money in turkey calls and turkey vests. And <laughs> he, he went up there with a, a sixty dollar limit. He had saved thirty bucks of his own money and thought he had tons of money. And told him, I said, "Look, you've got thirty bucks. I'll match you thirty bucks." And then his nana and papa, my mom and dad, had given him another twenty dollars. So he went up with an eighty dollar limit. All right. And within the first hour, he spent well over one hundred and fifty bucks. And I think I had his eighty dollar limit, and he spent just shy of, just shy of a grand. 
on just about any kind of turkey call you can find. Anything, anything you can think of turkey hunt related, that boy's got it now. And yeah, he's, he's got, got more, more stuff now than we do. <laughs> yeah, than I've ever had in all my turkey hunting career. So, well, at, at least it, you know turkey calls don't go bad. So, I mean, you know, hopefully it'll be something he's you know killing stuff with later on. Well, I've, I've made sure I put it into his head that you you've got to use them consistently to make sure that they don't go stale. So that's true. If you don't make it with me, I may just have them in my bag and <laughs> be what it be. That's well, awesome, man. Hey, yeah. our biggest—he's our biggest marketing tool, man. That kid. He got the hunting public to put our stickers on their water bottles, so I was pretty proud of it. <laughs> That's sick, man. No, that, that that it's that that show is so unique in the fact that you know a lot of these. Well, I mean, outdoor shows in general. If you take kids to them, man, the people they watch all the time, and you know, like me, a lot of guys don't have cable anymore, so YouTube is your outlet for, for yep. videos uh, yeah. and content. Yeah, so, yeah, if you get to rub shoulders with with the heroes and people you watch all the time, especially hunting industry. Man, it's so cool to network and meet people. NWT have such a good time. We we're usually hanging out at the grounded booth or the foot on the head guys, but my wife, she's pregnant. She's due uh, in mid June, so we were just kind of waddling around, and you know, I was trying not to make her, you know, pass out. So we, <laughs> we 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 lasted about three hours, and then she was giving me the side eye, and then we we bounced to macaroni grill. Well, you time you timed that one right, didn't you? Just barely, dude. Man, oh, I, I tell everybody, Jesus loves me. I got a boy, and he's not coming during turkey season. I was like, dude, what, what else, man? I do not deserve this. Like, it's it's perfect. So so speak, uh, speaking about turkey season, do you guys have uh, you guys just going to hit Georgia? Or you guys going to make a swing somewhere? So um, I know for sure me, I'm going to be doing Georgia and Alabama, and I might try to squeeze one other state in. I don't know. We'll kind of see how it goes. Uh, but I think Andrew, Andrew, what are you planning on doing again? Uh, we're hunting Georgia hard and hopefully close that out fairly quick. But I've still got license in Tennessee and Kentucky both from where we went deer hunting. I just got to buy my uh, turkey tags for those. So that's that's kind of my game plan, and possibly coming back to Alabama too because we hunted Alabama late season, and I've still got a license there. Just have to buy the tags. Um, but for sure, Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky, all three is, is my game plan right this minute. Dude, that that's sick, man. I think that, I mean, yeah, whitetail's similar, but I think traveling for turkey hunting is just so, there's just something about it, man, because you can be so minimalistic turkey hunting. Like, literally, your vest you know, can hold yeah. all your stuff, one shotgun, and a bag of some civilian clothes, and you're you're yeah. you're gone. I mean, as long as you got well, you know water, maybe, maybe you. <laughs> you can ask Jonah. I'll, I'll pack half the house. I don't. I'll pack out my little Honda Civic with everything I own. Dude, I love like the low visibility like car idea. You know the non hunting stuff. I was just talking to my dad the other day. I got a. Uh, I work at a Toyota store for my full time job. And uh, we get trade-ins all the time with crazy just shit all over them. And, you know, we have to take it off because people don't realize accessories on vehicles when you trade it in. The book values for a traded-in truck, like in this case a Tacoma, whether it's got a lift, tires, camper shell, LED light bars, none of that stuff is in the book. They're going to they're gonna no. appraise the truck. So, yep. you know, uh, getting off into the car jargon there. But this guy had a soft topper camper shell. And I was like, oh, dude, my wheels are already turning. I was like, I hope he trades that in. Well, he did. <laughs> and I go to our used car manager. I say, hey, Ricardo, what are we doing with that? He's like, listen, man, that thing's ugly as shit. He said, if you got your tools with it, you can take that thing home. I was like, dude, say less. <laughs> so yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have any tools. I know a, a buddy in the shop, though, Jordan, Toyota certified guy. I was like, hey, man, come with me right now. Like, hey, this is like <laughs> DEFCON 5. We had that thing off and mounted on my truck in like 25 minutes, dude. dude and that was expensive. I was looking at one of those from my Tacoma before I found the, the hard top that I got. But 
those things are like 700 bucks or something. Dude, yeah, this one's the best top brand, not sponsored, hashtag not sponsored. And, uh, <laughs> and, and this one's got plenty of life left in it. Like, I had to put some silicone on the zippers and... You know, me and my pregnant wife were out there trying to stretch this thing back on because he had some of the windows like unzip. But uh, it, it's it was a blank canvas and all my turkey decal like stickers on the back window they're covered up now. So I was like, "Dang, Dad, I should put like you know granola eater or like love trees on the back of this thing. That that, that way when I park somewhere, somebody's like, oh, that guy's not even a hunter, dude.' So yeah, he's just hiking. Yeah, yeah, I love number one, number one boat <laughs> Put you a couple Appalachian Trail stickers on there, dude. I, I know, I do. Yeah, like I, like hashtag love fly fishing or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> dude, I could totally get away with that. But like, yo, I, I love the Honda Civic. So, like, tell me about this. Is this like your daily driver? Is this just like the hunt whip? Yeah, uh, a little bit of everything. I use it for a kid hauler. I've got three kids, so I've got a, a single cab flatbed, um, 2006 Chevy that I use for work. I do. I buy storage uh, units for a living. And oh, that's kind of sick. Those kind of like, well, it is. Um, it's a lot like buying a lottery ticket, so it's hit or miss. Um, but that's kind of my work truck for what I do for it. Um, but I'll use my car for literally anything and everything. Me and Jonah live an hour apart, so it's great going to his house when we do videos, whatever we do. Um, hauling kids, or if I want to drive out of state, I can lay down the back seat and sleep in the back seat partially into the trunk, and it almost is a full-size bed. Um, you just use it for anything and everything, but it's, like you said, kind of a sleeper car. You can pull up, and nobody expects you to be hunting out of it, so. Yeah, it's almost like somebody's like, "Are they doing drugs? Like, what are they? What are they sleeping right. here for?" <laughs> Dude, I love it, man. So, 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 have you guys ever like traveled like like the western states for turkeys, or this is like a new thing for the channel, like traveling for turkeys? No, so I've actually I'm kind of the opposite of you. So I've done a lot of traveling for deer hunting. I've done some elk hunting, that kind of stuff. But okay, I've never really like traveled for deer or for turkey hunting. Um, I've always just you know had a hard enough time tagging out here in Georgia. So it's like I can use, if I, you know, back when it was three turkeys, I think I only tagged out when we get three birds, I think I only tagged out like two seasons before. Um, and you know, now that it's only two birds, it's a little bit easier to tag out here. Uh, but it's still a challenge sometimes, man. So I've never really been huge on traveling for turkeys, but I, I definitely want to, I've got a good buddy of mine, actually a guy you need to have on the podcast, uh, Matt Coker. I don't know if you ever talked to him before. That sounds familiar. I, I don't know if I've seen him on Dude. Instagram or what. Uh, I need to link you guys up. This guy's a turkey slayer, and he loves to talk about it, too. So I'll, I'll definitely link you guys up because he, this guy, I've never seen somebody tag out so fast on public, um, around us at least. Uh, we're more, I guess you're on the kind of the northwestern side. We're a little bit more northeast. Um, okay. North central, I guess you could kind of say. So um but yeah i mean definitely you need to get him on but he travels a lot you know he'll go out west um he's got a buddy that him and his buddy will go you know they might go hit north dakota maybe go hit montana you know those really far western states and they have a great time doing that and it's actually that is the really cool thing about traveling for turkey hunting is you can buy turkey tags so much cheaper than buying deer tags oh yeah um, and you know you can you can really like you said you can do it super frugally and and really travel pretty cheap for even if you have to fly i mean you can get just about everything you need in a carry-on you know to, to turkey hunt with so oh yeah for sure and your your average turkey tag across the board I, I mean there's some states that probably stand out a little bit different but what i've paid you know going nebraska kansas uh you know tennessee alabama's a little bit higher georgia you know i, I got a sportsman's license so I, I get them for free but uh, yeah. your, your average across the board turkey tag, you're going to spend between 130, 
you know, maybe 180 bucks. I think Alabama's maybe for out of state. Alabama bumped it up a little bit because they're kind of stingy like that. But uh, <laughs> like your average turkey tag's pretty, like you said, it's pretty affordable. You know, they're not jacking it up on people. It's so funny you said about tagging out in Georgia, man, because, dude, when I was in middle school and we first picked this thing up, you could, you know, you could double in the same day. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, three, three bird limit, you know, the third Saturday in March, ever since I was, you know, existed. And uh, and then when they changed it, you know, I think we're going on the third season now. But did you guys see the regulations? They actually changed it to where we get to go in March now. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's the last Saturday in March. Or if, if that's, I'd have to look at it, but I think it's somewhere around that because I said something to Jonah the other day, or maybe maybe it was Zach I was talking to Jonah um, about that, and we were arguing back and forth about it being the first weekend in April, and we were convinced that the March, whatever it does in March, <laughs> is just the U season. Oh well, so, I, I, well I, I didn't read that, but and and the way it reads is it's it's private land still for the first maybe two weeks, and then public yep, land. Yeah, March thirtieth. March thirtieth. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Huh. So and and what's crazy is like I don't know you guys listen to the show. You know, you may be. I was talking to a guy in Pennsylvania on the Lister Collins show, and uh, you know he, they don't get to go till the end of April, and it's still dead of winter up there. But man, it's it got up to almost you know in the high sixties today where I'm from, and. I'm, you know, it's going to be probably greened out pretty good on open day if the weather oh, stays yeah, good. Yeah, I, mean, my, I mean, my grass is already popping, so I was like, dang. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely starting to, to green up a little bit. I've got a tree that me and my wife really love in our, in our backyard, and uh, it's it's already starting to bloom, and normally that thing doesn't bloom until like mid-March. Uh, so it's a, definitely going to have an early green up, I think. I guess we'll wow. see. We'll probably get it. Probably get a blackberry winter at some point, though. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I tried to do some some overseeding in our deer plots, and it's kind of so hard right now because you, you you get a couple warm days, you're like, oh, I got to go overseed it, and then you know you, the you, like this weekend it got down to 29 on us, uh, mm-hmm. you know yeah. Saturday, Saturday night. So it's like, dang, dude, you just don't know what to do. Yeah, you don't. I usually wait. Like, I, so I usually plant. Um, I'll have to invite you uh, next year too, or this upcoming year. I do a big dove hunt here at my house, and. Uh, we usually try to get a few guys over here and do some do some shooting, and then we'll cook all the doves and stuff afterwards. But uh, oh, that's sick! We try to plant. I usually try to plant. Um, I've learned that if I plant too early, I usually get hit with like a, a blackberry winter, and then it kind of screws it up. So I usually try to wait until about really. I've noticed like late March tends to be like the best time to get my stuff planted, um, and I plant like a summertime, more of a summertime plot. It's got like sunflowers and sorghum and uh, uh what else? millet uh ironclad peas it's got like a good mix it's great for the deer and the doves tear it up too so it's a good it's a pretty cool mix oh god I, I can just see it looks like argentina or something at your place oh yeah yeah it's super tall it grows up you know six seven foot tall by the time dove season comes around um and then you'll have like tons of sunflowers in it and and uh, it just turns out really good. Deer, it's really, I mean, the deer really, I, I really think it does better for the deer than it does the, the doves, but it does bring the doves in too. So, Dude, that's sick. So going over uh, the YouTube channel and you, your guys' hunting experiences, you know, bringing up some spring stories, the guys are, especially like I'm, I'm sitting here looking at all these turkey fans in the shop and I'm just chomping at the bit, you know, just drooling uh-huh, over yeah. here. So do you guys got any like crazy, like other than the guy running in the gate and, you know, telling you know, shooting turkeys off roost with the hog running by Andrew, <laughs> did you guys got any crazy encounters or stories or successful trips from last spring? Let's see, last spring – I didn't shoot a bird last uh, spring myself. 
Um, I don't know what I was doing last spring. I think I was so heavy with the storage units that I was I was so tied up. I didn't do a whole lot of turkey hunting last year. Dang, I shot man. one bird last year. I hunted pretty hard last year. I had a lot of actually. Yeah, I've got one pretty good story. So last year um, on the WMA that we hunt a lot around here, um, I I was on a bird, literally watching the bird work a ridge, and he was just strutting back and forth about seventy yards from me. And this bird in particular. It's one, there's just one road that's always gated. It's always closed, but it goes back about two miles. And uh, I usually like to try to get all the way to the back before daylight. And then there's always a bunch of birds back there because it's just hard to get to. Not a lot of people want to walk that far, that kind of thing. So this morning in particular, I was running a little late and I'd only made it about halfway back. And uh, there was a bird that was roosted right on the gravel road. I mean, he literally flew down into the gravel road. Dang. And uh, so I, I had set up on him, watched him fly down to the gravel road. I couldn't get close enough to him with the way he was in the tree. I couldn't get close enough to really try to get him on the roost. So I was like, I'll let him fly down, and then I'll let him do whatever he's going to do and then make a move on him, you know? And so he flew down, stood in the gravel road for a few minutes, strutting and stuff, and I heard a hen yelping behind him and on the ridge. So he went. He headed towards that hen, and then uh, – so that's when I got up and I moved. I, I kind of had, there was a big ditch uh, between him and me. And actually it was the same exact spot. If you go back and look at our YouTube, the first buck that I killed this year uh, at the end of October is the same road. And, oh, wow. Uh, it's actually pretty close, pretty close to uh, the same exact area, really, where this bird landed in the road. And uh, anyway, so he lands in the road, goes towards the hen, and so I make a move on him. And I get set up on him across the, I'm like across the drainage from him. He's working back and forth on this ridge. The hen had shut up. And so I had a really good shot at this bird. Like I, I, I would just make a real soft call every once in a while. He gobbled right back to me and he was kind of zigzagging his way down the ridge into the drainage. Like he was going to come towards me. So I was just being real patient with him. I had a good setup, you know, I knew he couldn't see me. And, uh, I was actually able to just kind of lay prone in this ditch and I was just had my head poked over the ditch and I could watch him. So I was just get you know, got kind of tucked in being patient and all of a sudden on the gravel, I hear something running and I'm like, what is that? You know, why is it like, I didn't know if there's a deer running down the dra- gravel or something. And I look over and literally I can see the Turkey and this guy jogging in shorts at the same time. Like I'm watching the Turkey, look at this guy and this guy's jogging down the road in shorts. What and the heck? as soon as this guy comes jogging down the road, the the bird just like flies over the ridge and takes off. And I'm like, dude, oh. I so bad wanted to just like go out on the road and like sling a few webs at that guy and just let him know. Just scare him, you know, but I just I just <laughs> got there and I just got went back to the truck and went home. But that was probably the worst thing that happened to me last year besides the guy at the at the quota hunt that we were on. Um and then, oh, actually, something funny. This, this is actually really funny. So me and my dad were back at our home WMA that I hunt a lot. And we were hunting, and we're, we were on a couple of birds. And we had circled. We had parked on one area, and then we had circled and, and kind of came out at another road. And we were walking back out. It was pretty late in the morning. I think it was about 11 o'clock, and the birds had shut up, and I had to get back to work and stuff. And so we were walking our way back, and this guy is walking down the road towards us. We're almost back up at the main road where the trucks are. And this guy's walking back down towards us. And uh, as we get closer, I'm like, I think I looks familiar. And I get closer and I'm like, we get like 30 yards from him. I'm like, dude, that's the same guy 
from the quota hunt that walked in on us. Oh my sure God. Enough, what are the odds of that? This same guy is walking in on us at this WMA. And this is like three hours away. Like it's not, it's not like it's anywhere close to where we were. And the same as that guy is walking in on us. And like, he recognized me. I recognize him. And then like, you know, we, <laughs> we ended on a friendly note at the other WMA when we saw him, like I, we weren't rude to him or anything. We were like, Hey man, like it's all good. Understand, you know, whatever. I always try to like, make friends with people, you know, oh, I really yeah. have more friends than enemies, you know, at the end of the day, if you're, you do something stupid, maybe if I'm nice to you, you won't do it again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so like, that's the way I always look at it. So he recognized me. I recognized him. I was like, man, what are the odds of us seeing each other again here? Like that was, that was a total different part of the state. And I just thought it was funny. Um, and you know, that was, and I just told my dad, I was like, you have no clue what this guy did to us. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy is a, is a real jerk. Um, but anyway, so that happened. Uh, but yeah, last last year honestly it was pretty pretty underwhelming. Um, the birds seemed really tight lipped where where a lot of the areas where I was hunting last year, and the WMA that I was hunting a lot was getting a ton of pressure, um, more pressure than it seemed like normal. But at the same time, I think, like you said, I think that's just kind of the new norm on public land. <laughs> you know, we just yeah, a lot of, a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I think the strategy for for guys hunting public, I, I think you got to change up your tactics a lot. And and, and turkey hunting is very, it's real specific because you know if you're a newer guy, you know the whole interaction with the long beard, making a call, him answering, that's super addictive. I mean, I, I've been that kid. I've been the middle school kid that's got the the Primo's Power Crystal from walmart you know the big cone shape 1993 striker and i watched the dvd that it came with you know you get so amped up and and uh, but as you go on and mature into your your turkey seasons as you get some under your belt you really find out uh, i talked to you know, mike pentecost the other day well the other day last year in wtf when i interviewed him and uh his his biggest key was you know patience patience kills birds and he said, "If you can cluck and kill them, cluck and kill them. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't have to do a yelp sequence. You don't have to. I think we get caught up in same thing. Whitetail too, like guys that think outside the box, unconventional. You know, we we have this picture we paint in our head as turkey hunters is, you know, I'm going to call, he's going to answer. I'm going to call, he's going to answer. He's going to come in strutting. I'm going to get yeah. the most perfect shot. And that may be true if you're hunting like real tree farms." Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, for all of us in the actual world, especially public land guys, man, it can be, you know, you, you get the shot you're presented with, you have to be paying 1000% attention, uh, very conservative calling that that's one thing, the biggest tip that I've got going into, you know, we're in the last week of February here, uh, end of the month is Thursday. So we're going to have, you know, roughly three weeks left to get stuff dialed in, but man, early season birds can be tricky. I mean, really, oh. really tricky. So good yeah. segue into, you know, you guys got any tips or tactics that you guys use for, you know, opening day, early season, that first, like, you know, two and a half weeks of season, you know, anything you guys have ran into that's helped you be successful? So honestly, one of the biggest things that I like to do on public land is I like to, you know, a lot of times guys will go in to, you know, they'll look at their onyx and pick out a spot where they want to be at daylight. And that's, you know, they, they'll do whatever it takes to get there, whether they got to, you know, wake up at 4 a.m. and get the gate, you know, sleep at the gate for a couple hours, whatever. And that's a good tactic sometimes, but me and my dad, <clears throat> me and my dad hunt a lot together during turkey season. It's just, you know, we, we enjoy, we've always turkey hunted together a lot, and we just, we kind of work together well. Um, so we hunt a lot together during turkey season, like if me and Andrew are not hunting together or something. But So what we'll do is we've actually kind of learned that, like, 
do, do not necessarily like road hunting, like you're not calling from the road, but we will let everybody get to their spots. You know, you'll, you'll kind of drive and figure out where the people are at. And then you kind of strategize that to say, okay, there's a lot of people hunting this section. So most likely they're pressing into here and they're going to be pushing these birds over here, whatever. And then we'll just go and I'll, I'll drive 150 yards down the road, stop and listen. And we'll sit there and listen for three or four minutes as daylight's breaking. If we don't hear anything, get in the truck, go drive another, you know, a few hundred yards down the road, stop and listen just where you can hear different ridge systems. And we, I've probably killed, I would say over the last five years, I bet we've probably killed six or seven birds doing that on public where, you know, you, you're hearing birds that people can't hear when they walk two miles into the woods or whatever. And, you know, there's, they're going down all these different trails or, you know, road beds, whatever it is. But these are areas where unless you just decide to park right here at this random spot, there's no gate, there's no parking area, there's nothing. Unless you just happen to park right here, you're not really going to hear these birds. And a lot of times you'll hear birds like, so for us, a lot of the WMAs we hunt have pretty big bodies of water on them, whether it be, you know, streams or lakes or whatever. And a lot of times these birds will be like on the other side of a stream uh, or a creek or a river. And, you know, I've, I've actually got a video on one of our older videos on the channel. There's a bird like that. Me and dad heard it from the road. We couldn't tell if it was on our side of the river or that, you know, the opposite side of the river. So we work our way down there. We get down there and realize the bird's on the other side of the river. Oh. Well, we just, you know, we just stripped down and pulled our pants up a little bit. Ended up the river was like waist deep. So we just, you know, get in and <laughs> cross waist deep. Thankfully it was pretty late in the season. It was sometime in April. So it was pretty warm. And, uh, you know, we cross the river, we get on the other side, birds still ripping, and we ended up working up, killing the bird at the very end of a different road that comes in from a total opposite part of the WMA. Wow. And we didn't even know that road was there at that time. Like, it wasn't on the maps or anything. And uh, so we ended up killing that bird there. And, man, the hike out of there was terrible because we ended up so far from the truck that morning. But um, it was so worth it, man. We got some beautiful shots in the power lines. Uh, we killed this bird in the power lines, and it was just – the sun was like just kind of cresting over the trees and we just had some really, really pretty shots of that Turkey. It was just the way that one worked out. It was awesome. But yeah, I mean, really that's probably one of my favorite tactics on public is just kind of not, I hate calling from the road because I feel like everybody does that and it really messes with the birds. So I like, I will not call from the road, but I will just sit and listen. And I think a lot of people overlook the ability to cover ground with your ears um, in, in, in turkey season because you can only cover so much ground with your legs, right? I mean, you can walk yourself to death, and but you're really limiting yourself to how much ground you can hear. But with your truck, you can, you know, you can roll on 200, 300 yards, and you're hearing another 500 acres that you couldn't hear, you know, down the road. Um, so that's probably one of my favorite tactics. That's a really good tip, especially if you're, you know, maybe you're not in your hometown or your home your hometown WMA or your home state, if you're out and you, you know, us as, as part-time hunters, when you're, when you leave the driveway, you got that hourglass full of sand. And when it ticks empty, you got a head tail back home. Cause like, just like all of us, we have stuff to do. So getting in birds, making sure you're around birds. And I know in where we live, big stands of pines. If you're not, you know, driving by big fields and stuff, you can't sight see birds. You do have to scout with your ears. So getting your feet on as many pieces of public, like a great example, a couple of years ago, me and uh, Ben from Bear Level, his channel, we, we hauled ass to Kansas, and Kansas is famous for a lot of weehaw, so walk-in hunting access only. 
And yeah. uh, man, we would just we would just dive in there, and it kind of sucks because you got to get out, park, walk, and then you're out hooting and you're trying to listen. If it's stale, it's stale, and we kept on moving. Yeah. So, yeah. so we we covered probably almost half the state in like three days, and really just trying to be strategic and you know trying to find creek bottoms and you know yeah. di- different yeah. terrain features. But yeah, man, keeping your feet uh, moving uh, constantly, you know, keeping the roads hot, getting yourself. Uh, you know the most opportunity to hear one because as a turkey hunter, the biggest thing objective for me is if I can if I can just put myself in turkeys, if I can just hear a long beard, if I can hear him, then I got a chance to see him. You know, you're just yep. inching your way yep. up to that moment that we all think about. But yeah, man, it's a <laughs> yeah, that's a great tip. Oh, yeah, one I'll, thing too. Oh, go ahead. You know, one thing too about that is just you know sometimes you think about it. You're you're driving in, you got a spot picked out that's you know you might have a ridge system that's a mile deep in there somewhere that you want to go check out and see if there's any birds on, but you know, you could walk all the way in there, you know, spend, you know, spend the first half hour of daylight walking in. And then, you know, you realize, okay, it's a stale morning. The birds are not talking. Well, they might be talking, uh, you know, a mile or two down the road on a different part of the WMA. And you would never know that if you, you know, end up spending your morning walking in. Now, what I will do is if I locate birds that way, like let's just say one morning, I locate two or three birds from the road and I know they're in there. I make a move on. I'm not able to execute and kill one. I'll come back to that area. And that's when I want to walk in because now I know there's birds in there, right? I've, I've confirmed that there's birds roosting in there at some point. And so now I want to put some boot time in there and, and walk in and figure out the birds. But first I want to know that there's birds in there because, you know, you know, Daniel, there's not birds on every ridge in the mountains. Like they're just, no, they're, they're unfortunately not. <laughs> Yeah, there probably used to be, maybe 20 years ago there probably was, but not nowadays there's not. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, something that I think that I've learned a lot with public land is just, you know, it really does kind of maximize your time. But, guys, this is not me call from the road. Please, for the love of God, do not strike your, your box call from the road for 30 minutes because you're educating every bird within a half mile. <laughs> yes, yes. And and we've covered on the podcast before, you know, strategy-wise, especially if you like like a public land spot, if you're going in there blind, first of all, don't be married to a spot. That's the worst thing you can do, whether, yep. you know, whether you're just going in for the morning or you're maybe you're scouting the day before or whatever the case is. Don't be married to a spot. Also, go in there with an open mind. And before you make a turkey noise – Get as close as you can to that bird. If he's on the limb and you can tell he's on the limb, get close the gap a little bit. If he's 200 and he's on a different ridge system, get on the ridge system before you start throwing your mouth yelper in and, and going at it because he's going to think the hen's over there. So you could do all this work and kill yourself, and then he's already, you know, because turkeys don't think like us. He could fly, you know, that, that gap, that holler, whatever. He would fly over there, and the next time you actually strike him, he's Oh, he's like, holy crap! That's where I just came from. You know, I see. just, just, just think, uh, think smarter, guys. You know, crow calls hey, good. Like, my, my, my favorite thing to use is uh, just one of the cheaper hooks versions of the owl hooter. That thing is, you know, I mean, obviously I can do the, oh, 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 you know, but you yeah. look like an idiot. And this thing sounds. Yeah. I've called in. Owls have attacked me using this thing. I have a video of. Oh it. yeah, dude. We, so, we were down at that same WMA that we were in. Uh, we've got some really cool footage of me, him, and Andrew, or me, Andrew, and his dad. And we had the owls going crazy one morning. We had probably six or seven owls all around us. And, uh, man, I just enjoyed listening to the owls. There was no bird galvin that morning. Actually, 
Was there, Andrew? I don't remember that. Maybe that uh, later, the, later in the morning there was, but that yeah. first hour of daylight, it was the Owls put on a show that was well oh, worth being down there alone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, dude, the, the, the good old Southern bar, Bard Owl is a oh, turkey hunter's best friend, man. Oh, man. Beautiful, beautiful sound. Something that'll get your blood boiling and get it get you fired up for oh, sure. I love it. Especially when they, um, there's like two or three and they start, you know, doing, you know, bouncing off each other. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. But another thing, too, Daniel, is, you know, Another thing that I've learned is turkeys are not always afraid to be close to where people are. They just turkeys, especially on public land, get super strategic about where they roost and they make sure that they can see areas where they know that there's frequent danger. So like I've noticed sometimes in areas where I know year after year that there's birds, I'll go there and a lot of times the birds are roosted in the same trees, but they're in the same tree because there's no way that you can get to them without them seeing you. Yes. Um, and so, like, they get super smart about where they where they roost, and I think they pass that on, you know, generation to generation. Is they they almost teach each other, like, hey, this is a good roost tree because when a hunter's trying to come in, you know, you can see the road right here. You're gonna watch him pull up in his truck, and you're gonna watch him get out, and you're gonna watch him rock, walk straight to you, and then you can just fly off the backside of the ridge, and he'll never know you're there. You know. Yes. Um, and I'll tell you one more story before we hop off here. Uh, so me and another buddy of mine, Evan, we, I've been trying to get this kid a turkey for like the past four years, and we've been so close so many times. And he just like I struggle with patience, but this kid really struggles with patience. Like I can I can get him on a bird. I'm like, dude, let's just sit here for another hour. He's like, man, I got to be home by ten thirty. I'm like, dude, just sit down and be quiet. Like this bird is coming in, and I just can't get him to have the patience. But he's getting there. I'm hoping maybe this year will be the year we can get him one. But like or no. Yeah, no, it was two years ago. We get out there, like I, we have this one spot that we call Ralph Ralph's spot, and it, there's this old bird that we've hunted for the last like three years, and he's probably dead by now. But this bird, there's a field that you can see when you get out of the truck, and for the past three years, you can go there on like there's like two or three weeks out of the season where you can go up there, and there's almost always a bird in this field, and you can call him. He'll gobble, he'll strut around, but he will never come in. And the first time that we ever had it happen, this bird, we poked our head over the ridge. The bird's in the field. We get set up. He's coming to us. We watch him get to like 60, 70 yards. And then, you know, it's on a steep hill. So he kind of disappeared. So I'm just like, you know, gripping my gun. Evan's gripping his gun, just getting ready. Like the bird's coming over the ridge at any second. And we sat there for an hour and a half that day. and He never showed up. And I don't know how he just goes to us like this, but it was just, it was the most crazy thing. We never heard him walk off. We never heard him anywhere close, but anyways, that's beside the point. We go back to the same spot and we get out of the truck and I, I slam the truck door. I, I close it pretty loud. I wasn't being very quiet and a bird hammers off like probably 75 yards from the truck. And I'm like, Oh my God, what do we do? So I'm like getting my vest on at this point. I'm trying to move super slow. Cause I'm like where this bird just gobbled. He has to be able to see us right here. And so Evan, I just tell Andrew Evan to like get on his knees. We're literally sitting beside the truck. I'm like, dude, get get on your knees and just like like crawl into the woods. And the bird just starts gobbling. I mean, like every 10, 15 seconds, he's he's letting one off the roofs. And so we belly crawl to the edge of the ridge. Right? I mean, I can still see the truck right behind us, probably 30 yards. And we belly crawl to the edge of the ridge, and we see the bird in the tree. And I think what happened is the bird was down is a super steep ridge. He was roosted at the top of this tree off the side of the steep ridge. And I think he wasn't quite high enough up the ridge to be able to see into that parking area. 
And uh, so we get set up on him. We're at like 60 yards. And I'm like, all right, all we need is this thing just to let me make a couple little just super soft tree yelps, and then maybe I can get him to just pitch right down into our lap. Evan can kill this bird. We'll kill him before the sun even comes up. It'll be a great morning. And so we sit there, and we're watching this thing. He keeps turning on the limb. like He's turning away from us, towards us, left, right, every which direction, gobbling every 10, 15 seconds. And it gets to like, gosh, probably 8.30. I mean, we have been sitting there for an hour, hour and 15 minutes Jeez. probably. This bird's still in the tree, still gobbling, still in the tree. Sun is like fully up. And I'm like, what is going on? Why is this bird still in the tree? Well, he went quiet for like 10 minutes. And it was he was in – it started to green up pretty good. So he was like in one of the trees where if you didn't keep your eyes like focused on him, you could lose him. You know, you could like oh, yeah. not see where he was anymore. And then he'd move again and you'd pick up the movement. Well, he went quiet for like 10, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden I hear to our left, I hear footsteps. And you can tell it's turkey. You know, they have that cadence where they walk and you can just tell it's turkey. So I tell Evan, I'm like, Evan, there's a turkey coming to the left. And he's like, all right, all right. And so I'm like, I don't think that bird pitched down, but he could have pitched down and we just didn't notice it. Or maybe he flew off 30, 40, you know, 50 yards away from us and we didn't hear him land, whatever. And so here comes this hen. I mean, right in front of us, 20 yards, right in front of us. Dang. She comes up, she puts, she looks up in the tree, she puts two or three times and flies up in the tree with that tom. And wow. now it's hen on his limb with him. He mates her on the limb, and y'all probably call BS on the story, but I, I swear to God, I think I have some footage of it somewhere, but he mates her on the limb, and they fly off three, 400 yards in the opposite direction. As soon as they get done mating, they fly off three, 400 yards in the, in the opposite direction. So it was like, it was like that was his daily routine was to gobble until she shows up, and then he knows when she shows up, he, she flies up there, and then they fly off down onto the private. And I was so mind blown that morning. I was like, dude, I have never seen something like that. I have never seen a hen come in and fly up on the limb with a tom like that. It was just crazy. That is freaking but, uh, nuts, dude. Yeah. I was like, what in the world, man? Like that was just the most least expected thing that you expect to happen when you have one. You know, I was just, I just kept dreaming it over in my head time and time again. He's going to pitch down right in our laps. Everybody's going to shoot him. You know, it's just going to be a great, picture-perfect day, you know, and then that happens. I'm like, dude, I was like, dude, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what just happened, but you're, you're not killing that bird. <laughs> dude, turkeys are the ultimate survivalist, man. That just goes to show you, you know, pressure, hunting pressure, uh, you know, a lot of different factors too, but man, that turkey is going to survive <laughs> whatever dude, he's got to do. That is so that's so crazy. So uh, one of the places that I have uh, marked on my, my Onyx maps is, uh, there's a piece of uh, a public that's not too far from me here, and it's kind of funky the way it lays out. Every time I go in there, it's actually the place that I go and pattern most of my shotguns, and I won't name it or name drop it here, but <laughs> it's it's not hard to figure out. But this piece is pretty big. Uh, it's beat up old gravel road, you know, ridge systems on both sides, and it's just kind of one way in, one way out. A lot of people, mm-hmm. it's kind of sketchy, man. It's like hippie land. There's like a bunch of granola, like actual <laughs> hippies that live there, like people that – you know, drive Jeep Wranglers and, and bike in there for, yeah. for fun. That doesn't sound fun for me unless there's a turkey on the yeah. end of that trail. But <laughs> so, you know, I'm not knocking anybody who, who re- recreation outside, I'm all for it, you know, as long as it doesn't involve drugs or, you know, being a sleaze. But anyway, so to get to these turkeys, every time I go in here, you it's kind of weird. You go through like these couple of close houses and then there's like a big horse pasture 
and then there's like a you know little trailer house right there before you get to the entrance of the the forestry road. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's always two or three longbeards that that are right there, and several hens. And like I can literally throw my head out the window every time and harass him with a stupid owl call out of my natural voice, and he's always throwing his head at me. I'm like, golly, <laughs> dude, what a crazy dude. And so anyway, I, but when you get on the maps, like the line of the public is like almost a you know not not quite a mile. But it's it's dang near three quarter mile in there to park, and then you have to you know to the left side of the road. It's just straight up, you know, like a freaking rocket to get up to the top of the ridge system. So, if I'm going to go after those birds, I've got to be like super pissed at them. So I, I might say oh, yeah. <laughs> I might save that for you know maybe late April. I'm, I myself, I'm going to Virginia uh, mid April to hunt with my bu- oh, buddy Kyle out there. So I'm going to try the the East Coast turkeys and see how that goes. But yeah, so. I, it's just in the back of my mind, man. I think all turkey hunters, like, you know, you know, if you see turkeys like that and they think they're untouchable, it just makes you want to go out and touch one. <laughs> so uh, it's just yeah. like, yeah. it just drives me crazy. But guys, yeah. uh, seriously, thank you so much for being on the show. Any closing remarks about, you know, guys thinking about opening day, any last minute tips or, or, uh, anything that you got advice for guys hitting the woods here in a couple of weeks? Uh, no, I don't think so. Andrew, you got anything? Nothing other than just get out and get after it. So, yeah, guys, get out there, be safe. Uh, we definitely talked about here, you know, etiquette on public land, especially, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get more flies with honey than vinegar. That's such a true statement, man. If you, if you make a friend out there, you never know. They may be a hunting buddy for life. So just treat everybody with respect. If you see somebody wave you off with a red light in the middle of the woods, go the other way. You know, if you hear somebody calling and trust me, you can tell when it's a person calling, uh, mm-hmm. You know, go the other way. Give them a you know wide berth there, especially if you know. Just make sure a hundred percent sure if you're about to squeeze the trigger on a live turkey, know what's you know there and beyond your target. So just play it safe, guys. Be safe. Know when and not to use decoys. Uh, if you're you know, say you're the guys that reap stuff. I think reaping may be illegal on Georgia public land, but just make sure. I hope so. <laughs> re, yeah, read read your regulations. Be smart. Uh, the golden rule you know always applies. But yeah, go check them out. Georgia Public Project, the IG, and their YouTube channel. Great guys. And uh, as always, boys, we'll catch you on the next one.